Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. The American Association of School Librarians, or AASL, wrapped its national conference in Phoenix in early November. I was there, and as someone who attends a few library conferences a year, I found AASL 2017 to be amongst my favorites. The programming was fun and informative. The uh, general session speakers, YA author Jason Reynolds and Google Education Evangelist Jamie Ksap, both delivered thoughtful talks on the importance of reaching kids on their own terms. And to be honest, the mid-80s uh, Arizona weather it was, it was perfect. Uh, but most important, the conference served as a launch site for the updated National School Library Standards for Learners, School Librarians, and School Libraries. A fascinating intersecting matrix of shared foundations and competencies that allows librarians and educators to address and meet the needs of 21st century learners. The new volume, well, it was the talk of the conference. Everywhere you went, you could see people with their standards workbooks, and multiple sessions were devoted to introducing the standards to attendees. And the, these new standards, they even infiltrated the exhibit hall in a most unlikely place, an escape room. Now, for those not in the know, an escape room is a game in which players have to solve puddle, puzzles and riddles using clues and hints, one clue leading to the next, in order to escape the room within a set time. And these rooms are popping up throughout the country and in tons of different incarnations, from zombie-themed rooms to those that involve a race against the clock to escape the room before a bomb goes off. Now, the escape room at the ASL conference found participants using elements of the standards to solve clues, collaboration, investigation, exploration, engaging with others, sharing, and so on. Today on the Dewey Decimal Podcast, we explore that intersection between the standards and escape rooms. First, I speak with Marsha Martis. She's the chair of the editorial board for the standards, and she's also an associate professor at Florida State University. We talk about the standards, why they were updated, and what's in the new edition. Then we report from Phoenix, where ALA Editions editor Jamie Santoro joins a team of librarians from Oklahoma as they tackle the ASL escape room. And finally, Jamie talks with Patty Jimenez, a teacher librarian at Sunny Slope High School in Phoenix, about an escape room that she set up for her students in her library. But first, a word from a sponsor. The American Library Association is the voice of the library profession. We're your tireless advocate, working to ensure that your concerns and needs are heard and met on the local, national, and international stage. We connect you to friends and colleagues throughout the library world, helping to create vibrant, supportive professional circles. We help identify emerging trends and technologies that will allow you to better serve your patrons and communities today and in the future. But we need your support to do this. As 2017 comes to an end, consider contributing to ALA's annual fund. Your tax-deductible donation will help the association fight and work for you throughout the year. Last year was the first time that ALA conducted a targeted end-of-year fundraising drive, and we succeeded thanks to members and listeners like you who included us in your year in giving. ALA serves all types of libraries, and you can direct your donation to a specific ALA division or department if you choose. To learn more about the ALA Annual Fund or to make a donation, visit ala.org slash donate. The new AASL standards. What are they exactly? That's a good question. 
The culmination of two years worth of work involving thousands of contributors, the new standards is a complex but fascinating volume that offers librarians and teachers new ways to reach students. Yes, that's vague, I know. But for details, I turn to an expert. Marsha Martis, Associate Professor and Assistant Dean of Interdisciplinary Research and Education in the College of Communication and Information at Florida State University, is the chair of the editorial board for the standards. We spoke recently about these standards, why they were updated, and what can be found within its pages. Marsha, for our listeners who, who might not know much about the standards, um, can you tell us, tell me, tell our listeners a little bit more about what they are? Sure. Um, so uh, as, as some of your listeners may know, AASL has a, a long tradition of standards for learners, for school librarians, and for school libraries. And uh, the National School Library Standards are the latest uh, iteration of uh, standards for learners, school librarians, and school libraries. These standards are a little bit different. So even though the standards tend to be released on approximately a 10-year cycle, uh, that's certainly in line with when these are released, uh, what they do is they provide frameworks for school librarians to interact with learners, for school librarians to think about their own practice, and for school librarians to think about how to organize the school library in which they work, whether um, it's a, a physical facility as well as virtual services or embedded services that they may offer the learning community. And now these, these new standards that were just released uh, at the ASL conference in Phoenix, um, now these are new, they're updated. You've, um, why did ASL decide to update the standards and what was the process like from what, I, from what I understand? You took three separate volumes and kind of condensed them, streamlined them down into one. Now, what, why, first of all, I guess the question would be first is why did you decide to do that? And I guess the second question would be, um, how did, how did, it sounds like such a massive undertaking. How long did that take and what was the process like behind that? Sure. So, um, well, as for why this is a particularly good time to um, take a fresh look at the standards, we did a lot of environmental scanning and community research, convened focus groups across the United States, did a national survey, and a really uh, in-depth review of educational policy and trends. And it was clear from all of that that the, the values inherent and the principles um, in the AASL standards are definitely reflecting things that are part of a national zeitgeist as far as what learners should be doing, how we need to be preparing um, ourselves and our learners to um, interact with the world. But we need to make sure that the language was consistent and that um, new concepts that we couldn't have even envisioned 10 years ago were being reflected in the standards. So it was just uh, the timing was right, and I think that it uh, was uh, just, you know, it was the environment that told us we didn't tell the environment. And I think that was a really strong warrant we got from the community. And another piece that I think we got from the community loud and clear is that what school librarians do is part of a network. It's part of a system. It's not an independent pillar that stands alone. And for that reason, interactions with learners, um, developing themselves professionally, interacting with educators, interacting with administrators in the community, as well as thoughtfully reflecting all of that in the school library is 
really an exercise in weaving things together. And so we really wanted to make sure that as school librarians proceeded with their own practice, they were able to model, mentor, and lead various concepts for learners, as well as make sure that they were designing and supporting uh, a facility and services and programs that reinforced their own needs, learners' needs, and the rest of the educational community's needs. And for those reasons, the three separate volumes just didn't make sense anymore. One of the things that we heard loud and clear from the community is that uh, the roles that school librarians play are still very valid. The, the um, leader, teacher, instructional partner, information specialist, and program administrator, all of these are, are still accurate representations of what school librarians do, but they're not things that are operationalized in isolation. They're very often um, done simultaneously or they overlap. So we wanted to make sure that our standards reflected real life as well in that organization. So as far as to your second question about how uh, how long did this process take and and what did we do to make the standards happen? Well, the standards uh, volume is, I'm sure you've seen it, you know, this is a pretty serious undertaking. And it took mm -hmm. us about two and a half years, and uh, I was so pleased to be the chair of a committee of seven people, and we really did a lot of um, writing in the round, um, so everybody had an opportunity to give their input um, and collaboratively collaboratively iterate all the sections of the book, and then as the um, the chair of the committee, I not only contributed but sort of acted as, as the final set of eyes and uh, helped the language just be smooth and in one voice. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the, the major changes that um, uh, librarians can find in these new standards? Oh, sure. So, you know, the shared foundations are um, – a new organizing concept. Uh, the content of them, I'm not so sure, is radically new. The language around them certainly is. Um, but that idea of um, inquire, beginning with inquire, and um, and, this one second, and ending with the idea of um, engage. So it's almost a trajectory that goes through the standard. So inquire, um, include, and there's a lot of intention um, and, a, and attention given to the idea of um, moving inward and then moving outward. So asking good questions and inquire, uh, including making sure that um, Learners and school librarians in the school library program support a range of different kinds of learners. Um, collaboration is, of course, something that is a, a bit of a holdover from uh, previous iterations of the standards, but nonetheless is probably in the national spotlight as something that is an important skill for all professionals and learners to exercise on a regular basis more than ever before. Uh, curate and the idea of not just aggregating information but creating an experience through the information both for the learner as well as for the school librarian. So that's a bit of a shift from the language of collection development and, and information aggregation to the idea of curate and curating information. And um, 
the idea of exploring, which really helps us keep true to that aesthetic growth that we want our learners to have and that um, professional growth that we also want to engage in as uh, as school librarians. And then engaging, which is um, bringing what you learn to the community and using the community for inspiration to learn further. So, so that relationship between facilitation and instigation that the community can provide. So those six shared foundations are uh, really, I think, a streamlined distillation of a lot of the concepts that we hold. Uh, the Think, Create, Share, Grow, which are various uh, cognitive domains of the shared foundations. If you if you think about the the domains as columns and the shared foundations as rows, it creates a really neat matrix um, because you can have um, inquire at the think level, at the create level, at the share level, and at the grow level, and the same for the rest of the shared foundations. That really allows you as a professional or even as a learner to enter the standards wherever is most appropriate to your learning task. And so rather than have them be linear, they can be used certainly linearly, but they can also be used in a personalized mode and really reflecting that idea of personalizing learning was something that was really important to us. And I don't think the conversation around learning personalization was quite as developed as it is now in uh, the education policy and research landscape. So we definitely wanted to pick up on that. Um, and then there's also been an important shift in terms of looking at student learning from outcomes to competencies, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with personalization. So not just what needs to be learned, but why it should be learned and how it can be applied. And so we really are using the language of competencies to help instill an idea of growth um, and learner growth throughout the standards. For some, for librarians who might be um, used to the old standards, um, how are you implementing these new standards? How are you introducing um, these new standards to um, librarians? Well, there's an implementation task force that's headed by Mary Keeling, and she has um, a team of six uh, professionals who are just absolutely commensurate working with her. And they have created a series of webinars. Um, there were, as you know, plenty of opportunities for in-depth workshops that were happening at uh, AASL National as well as concurrent sessions. And when the implementation task force task force's work is done, and they have a whole plan for how to roll out uh, various aspects of implementation to the community, another committee will pick up and take it even further. But certainly the idea is at this early stage to provide enough personal learning and, up, and uh, professional opportunities for school librarians to get an introduction to the standards and what they're all about and the difference between previous standards and the current standards that they can really run with them. This is an incredibly creative, creative and dedicated community. So I think that they will do that. <laughs> but um, even so, there is, of course, going to be uh, formal support for various um, m modes of learning, I think, through AASL. But the Implementation Committee has a, has a plan that is on uh, the website, the standards.aasl.org, and uh, several different um, activities underway. Oh, excellent. Now, um, for our listeners who wanted to learn more, perhaps pick up their own copy of the standards, uh, where can they go? Well, they can go to standards.aasl.org, and uh, there all of the uh, 
free uh, available information is there, and that, that website is really worth a visit because not only does it um, link you through to a place where you can obtain the book, and I really do recommend that people consider obtaining the book because it's not just the standards that are in the book. The book is appended with several different um, appendices that uh, are designed to facilitate the writing of a curriculum that uh, are places for more reading, that support uh, professional development opportunities. And so there's lots of lots of stuff that's in the book that is not, for example, in the app. So there, there's an app, and that was a community demand um, that's available uh, from, uh, you know, wherever you, apps are sold, um, that provides the content of the standards. And so it's a few tools to use that content. And that also is linked through from the website. But we also had the just wonderful opportunity to interview students in schools across the country about how they define the Sherrick Foundations and how they feel the Sherrick Foundations are important. And those videos, um, and they're very brief, are wonderful things to use in professional development and outreach to parents and just to, just to watch and enjoy. And those are, are on the website as well. But there's lots to download and lots to see there. Excellent. Um, yeah, I can agree with you 100%. Um, um, the website and the standards themselves, it, it's a fascinating work. It's an important work, and I do. I, I recommend our listeners, even if you weren't a school librarian, to uh, to visit the website and, uh, and to look into it more. Uh, Marsha, thanks so much for stopping me by the Dewey Decibel Podcast today to talk about the standards. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Phil. How can you transform library data into impactful services? What feature do libraries value the most when evaluating information sources? Which were the most popular interlibrary loan titles for the last five years? What does S.R. Ranganathan, the father of modern library science, have to say about shyness? All these questions have been explored on the OCLC Next blog. So many libraries operate on behalf of a very local, specific audience, whether you're at a public library serving one town or city, or an academic library taking care of your students and faculty, you best understand your users' needs. But that can be a challenge when it comes to synthesizing trends among libraries of different types, sizes, and countries. And that's where OCLC Next comes in. Because of OCLC's global reach, staff and member leaders from many disciplines are exposed to developments and ideas that reach across the entire library community. Uh, they wrap their thoughts into quick, compact posts in order to share knowledge from the world's libraries with you. So check out oc.lc next to read the latest post or subscribe to a weekly email. So, escape rooms. How can applying the foundations laid down in the new AASL standards help someone escape from an escape room? Well, we figured the best way to answer that question is to go right to the source. ALA Editions editor Jamie Santoro dove into the escape room experience at the 2017 AASL National Conference in Phoenix by interviewing former ASL President Terry Greeth, who spearheaded the project at the conference, and by joining a team of librarians from Oklahoma as they attempt to escape from the ASL escape room. Can they do it? Let's see. When did you first get interested in escape rooms? Well, I've always been a gaming person, so at my schools I was always a game club sponsor and uh, escape rooms are just another kind of game. also love mysteries, so it kind of works hand in hand. 
the first time I ever did a real escape room was in um, Budapest, Hungary, where my son lives, and my sister and I went to visit him uh, two summers ago, and they're everywhere and in Budapest. And I've noticed in other big cities now that they're getting a lot of um, a lot more escape rooms out. But the first thing I thought of is I didn't want to be scared, but it's not scary. So it's just puzzles that you have to solve, and it's using some kind of higher order thinking skills that sometimes I'm not that good at, but I really like it. So we did a couple in Budapest. Then I'm a, um, I'm a member of the Gaming Roundtable, and the Gaming Roundtable and AASL did a conference last year, a, a, a workshop in Rochester, which is, you know, they have the um, toy museum there, and um, that... We were, we were at the meeting, and somebody said, you know, there's an escape room here. And so we went, and it was called the library. So it was perfect, and I have to say that we did escape. What, in your view, makes escape rooms fitting for schools and libraries? Well, one of the things that we always talk about is that libraries perform the service that other um, classrooms don't perform, and that you have to... Is, is you have to use a, a little higher order thinking on lots of things. So, for example, doing research. I mean, you can give kids this and they can do it, and, or, or you can teach them how to research and how to think better and think more clearly, and especially, you know, in this day and age right now with all the fake news and things, even adults have a hard time figuring out what's true and what's not true. So libraries are in that way are always thinking of, of that. Um, and escape rooms use a higher, they just use a higher order they use higher order thinking that um, we like to promote in the library, but it's I think it's also in a fun way. So it's not like you have to solve this math problem to figure this out, but you do have to solve a math problem to figure it out. But it makes it more fun. So the library is all, I mean, I think part of my career as being a librarian is I wanted the library to be a fun and inviting place. And that's why I had game club in the library after school and, and um, I want kids to see that the library is a place that they can go to have a good time and to be a lifelong learner so that when they grow up that they go to their public library and participate in the things that the public library does. And I am Kelsey Marker. I'm the teacher librarian at Longfellow Middle School in Norman, Oklahoma. And I'm Teresa Lansford. I'm the teacher librarian at Lincoln Elementary in Norman, Oklahoma. I'm Amanda Kordelski. I'm the teacher librarian at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma, and I'm the chair elect for Oklahoma School Librarians. And I'm Charity Pennington. I am the teacher librarian at Shawnee Middle School in Shawnee, Oklahoma, and I am the current chair of Oklahoma School Librarians. Great. And why did you guys come to the escape room today? Because we love to win. We're actually a competitive group. We, no, we formed a team in about one minute on Twitter when we found out there was an escape room. And I think Teresa said, Oh, it's a competition I'm in, so, yes. And have you guys done any escape rooms before? I've played around with the escape room kits, but that's about the extent of my escape room experience. Our staff has went to escape rooms before, like, as team building activities. I have not. I've played around with the breakout kits, that's it. Well, that's great. Well, uh, do you have any expectations for today's escape room? Uh, Amanda will probably say really bad words. <laughs> Fast, and we're gonna win. I think we're either gonna rock it or we're gonna end up screaming at each other. <laughs> and, and hopefully, friendships 
will stay. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks for inviting me into your escape room, and we'll get started there. When was the first Chicago was? What when? year? What year was that? Chicago was in. Okay, I don't know how, how far back should it go. Sixty-five years. That's not right. But they've only had. They only have it every other year. Oh. But it doesn't matter how many years. First conference was here in 1980. So in Louisville, Kentucky. So next year. year. That's 2019, right? No, you have it every other year. Yeah, so right. 2019. This is 17. Right. 19. Yeah, so that's where it was in 1980. Okay. Plus 18, plus 2019, plus what? Is that it? Is there any other no. questions? No, that's it. Well, it's only three numbers, though. You're adding them together. I did. 1980. Oh, maybe they only want the number. This is the, the they end. want the difference. And the anniversary, answers. 65. How many years will have passed? How oh. many years will have passed? So 39. How many times has it had a national conference? Eight. How many did you say? 18. 18. 18. So yeah. 122. 122. And it's on the side. Side. Find it. Uh, do one of the numbers. Okay. <laughs> There, there. Oh, it didn't work. It oh. Oh. It it did it Bad words. Yes, <laughs> yes. And we're still friends. <laughs> so awesome. So, what did you guys like best about today's escape room? Winning. <laughs> I think the best part was that we just told each other what to do and did it. Yes. And we yep. just clicked really well. Like I said, you look here, I'll keep looking. You do this, I'll do this. And we just clicked really, really well. Yes, we're a good team. Yes, yeah. we are. Well, congratulations! Thank you. You're the first team tonight to break out of the escape room. Oklahoma rules. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be part of it. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. So, hi, Amanda. It's fun seeing you the day after your escape room experience. Um, how? What are you thinking about it now that you're a day out? So we spent all evening um, talking about it last night. We had so much fun and brainstormed how we could take it back to Oklahoma and um, use it at our own conference. So we talked about having um, breakout rooms be, because of course we're competitive, as you learned yesterday, um, be our all-conference event um, and divide it up where you have to have someone from each type of library to really have a, a cohesive team to be able to win so you have people mixing together instead of just staying in their own little clumps of uh, who they came to the conference with and then we also talked about um, at our school library conference um, around the standards creating a breakout room that um, focuses on all of the new um, shared shared differences, shared foundation. foundations, sorry, completely blank, um, <laughs> over those shared foundations and um, really kind of dig into the standards with um, something fun and, and interactive. That's great. Um, why, uh, why do you think it's a good uh, professional development activity? 
I think it's a great team building um, activity and you have to figure out um, what everybody on your team, what their strengths are um, and how to work together and cooperate even when you're under stress and, and getting a little frustrated that um, you have to communicate um, and share all of your knowledge together or you can't move on to the next clue. And with the, the new standards coming out, do you see any connections between escape rooms and the standards? I think that um, escape rooms could be something really great. In my district, we do um, a lot of inquiry based um, with the guided inquiry design. And so we talked um, last night to other librarians in my district that are here um, about doing breakout rooms as part of the explore and immerse um, stages of guided inquiry where kids are really looking things up and finding things out um, about a particular event or topic that we want them to know. They don't actually realize that they're reading stuff and learning because they're playing a game. Did I hear you say you cornered somebody last night? Uh, we did. Our um, The Oklahoma Library Association, our president-elect is here, and so we're all staying in the same hotel. So we went and found him last night and told him that uh, breakout rooms are really what we're wanting to do for our all-conference event. We always do something that's um, kind of team-building and a lot of fun um, and always competitive. Um, so we've had lip-sync battles and trivia contests and... Um, we did um, a Dewey dance one year. Everybody had to um, create a dance around the Dewey Decimal System. Um, so every year it, it's thematic and it changes. And so we want to do breakout rooms for our conference in the spring. That's great. Okay, thank you. I've heard a lot of talk today about the ASL National School Library Standards. But where can you get them? And when you do get them, what exactly are you getting? Well. This National School Library Standards for Learners, School Librarians, and School Libraries, it's a single soft cover volume, 320 pages, um, and runs about $199. But within that, you're getting much more than just a book. You're getting a whole volume that expands on the application and assessment of the standards, broken down into sections. Sections of the book include the six integrated frameworks, inquire, include, collaborate, curate, explore, and engage, anchored with details that explain the competencies and best practices. It includes practices school librarians can use to get started with effective implementation of the standards. It includes detailed approaches to measuring success. The goal of competency-based education is to support learners' growth through personalized learning experiences. Examples are provided for creating your own assessment and evaluation tools that align school and district models with ASL standards. It also includes case studies that illustrate authentic scenarios through which district-level supervisors and building-level school librarians can envision putting the standards into action. Now, for more information about the school library standards and to access the latest implementation assistant resources and to get your own copy, visit standards.asl.org. That's standards.asl.org. Now, participating in an escape room is one thing, but actually organizing one in your own library is another beast entirely. What do you need to do? What challenges will you face? Can you pull it off success successfully? Will your kids be into it? Patty Jimenez, a teacher librarian at Sunny Slope High School in Phoenix, organized an escape room for students at her school's library. ALA's Jamie Santoris sat down with Patty in Phoenix, discussed the process, how to do it, and much more. I heard um, that you have experience with escape rooms. I do. I um, 
had kind of become aware of them last year. I actually went to one um, on my own, and it was exhilarating. And then through the Arizona Library Association Professional Development Committee, we brought, um, well, we didn't bring, so it was a webinar, but we had a webinar with an escape room expert, aficionado, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, uh, but he was amazing. He kind of showed us how to do escape rooms sort of virtually, and I made the mistake of being really excited about it and telling the band teacher that, oh, we should do an escape room, <laughs> and then he remembered that I said that. <laughs> so this year, we made two escape rooms, actually, in about two weeks, and it was amazing. Can you walk us through the escape rooms, like sure. the themes, etc.? Um, we and, and it's an, a very non-traditional escape room in that the it was a fundraiser for the band, and so it was just a collaboration. So we had students who were it was kind of run like a haunted house almost, where students were in all the different rooms and they were in like a bunch of rooms in the band room and choir room. So it was this weird hybrid, but it worked really, really well because not a lot of my students have ever done an escape room. So it was good to have someone in the room sort of nudging them in the right directions. And it really laid the groundwork for now for me to do one in the library and I think kids will come back. Um, so the, the one side we did uh, something from Breakout EDU, which is a great resource for educational um, escape rooms. And it was called um, Escape from the 80s or eight, awesome 80s adventures and I tweaked it a little bit added a few things but for the most part I used their materials intact um, and so students would come in I wrote an introduction letter and we had a kid dressed up as Doc Brown and he read this letter about how you know something had happened to the DeLorean and the kids needed to find a replacement flux capacitor um, and then they were released into the room and they each did, we had about 25 kids, which is a lot for an escape room, but we were trying to move a lot through. Um, and they would each break up and do a different puzzle. And if you finished a puzzle, then you'd go help somebody else. And so it became this real team collaboration piece. What was the best part about your escape room? I think the best part was watching the kids get excited. Um, as they solved the puzzles, as they got confused, and then as they all came together to like figure it out. And there'd always be this moment at the very end. And this was an atypical room in that they only had half an hour. Usually they're about 45 minutes to an hour. So the time they'd have like five more minutes and they'd be so close and they'd all be working together and shouting out things. And then when they solved it and they got that last clue, like just the cheer that would go up. Like, they were exuberant. Uh, and you know teens, they, they're, they're too cool for things. They don't want to show you they're excited, but they were really excited. And it was just fun to kind of sit off onto the side and kind of like watch them get excited and have fun. And then the chatter as they left, like, oh my gosh, da 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 okay, what do you think is the connection between libraries and schools and escape rooms? I think it's the problem solving piece that we keep talking about because one of the best parts of escape rooms, if you've ever done one, is that generally speaking, they don't tell you what to do. You just go into this room 
and you have to figure out what the puzzles are, how to solve them. And there's a level of frustration that none of us are used to anymore because you can't have your phone with you. There's no easy way to figure out a cipher without just powering through it. And so for teens, I think it's really good to sort of feel that frustration, but then also to have success. Um, and then they're just, and to work collaboratively in that way that it's high stakes, but it's not high stakes. So it's like, oh, this is what teamwork really is supposed to be like. This isn't a group project where we're all mad at each other because no one's doing the work or only one person's doing the work. Like, everybody wants to do the work. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's um, some of the benefits to our students that they get to experience that. And then as far as libraries, I mean, we just have great spaces. And so it's a fun way to do outreach. And what advice would you give to other librarians wanting to create an escape room at their school or library? Do your research. Um, there's lots of blogs about that other librarians, other teachers have put their experiences up. One is called Rock, Paper, Scissors. Breakout EDU is a great resource. Uh, don't let the cost dissuade you. I mean, you can piece together all of your materials from probably things you have or even dollar store finds. The, um, the hardware store is a great resource. I just bought toolboxes that have, you know, hasps, you know, holes that you can put a lock through. I didn't buy anything fancy. Um, so don't let that intimidate you. Use what you have at school. Like a lot of the stuff that I used for both puzzles were just color printed on the school printer and then either laminated in my library or hard laminated in the bookstore. So I just tried to use things that I already had. And then play to your strengths. And uh, yeah, go for it. It's so much fun. Actually, probably the best advice would be go to an escape room with some friends and do it because after you do an escape room, you will be obsessed. That wraps another episode of the Dewey Decibel Podcast. I'd like to thank Marsha Martis, Patty Jimenez, Terry Grief, Jamie Santoro, and the Oklahoma Escape Room Challenge team for joining us today. Tune in next month as we talk to authors Stephanie Powell Watts and Andrew Weir and get into much more uh, end of the year madness. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook or simply shoot us an email at deweydecibel at ala.org. Tell us how we're doing, what you liked about the show, what you dislike, what you want to hear from us because we want to hear from you. As always, I'm Phil Moorhart, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Uh, Amanda will probably say really bad words. <laughs> <laughs>